You're listening to Chris Carlin on 98.7 ESPN. Carlin on 98.7 ESPN. Yes, it is. It's 702. Thrilled to be here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Chris Carlin with you for the next hour and a half until Rangers pregame. They are up in Calgary. That is in just a little while with Don, as you just heard. And let's not waste any time. You know, we can talk about Dave Gettleman all you want, and we will for just a few minutes. But there is a much bigger problem here with the New York Giants than the general manager. And at this point, frankly, it's ownership. And it doesn't have to do with a a group of owners between John Mara and Steve Tisch that are like other problematic owners that we've had in the city, whether you want to complain about the Wilpons, whether you want to complain about Jim Dolan, whoever you want to complain about, George Steinbrenner back in the day before the championships, you could look at this situation and not necessarily point the finger at them, but you really should be. And the reason is they have not moved forward in years. They have not thought progressively in years. Unfortunately, they have been stuck in the giant way for entirely too long. Entirely too long. I want you to think about this for a second. In talking to people, you know, you heard Dave Gettleman, who in the press conference with Michael earlier today and the boys, you heard him and he's obviously not comfortable in front of press or great in interviews and doesn't say uh, much more than he needs to at times when it, it frankly just feels like he's a little bit afraid to say more than he needs to because that might be where he gets himself in some trouble. But you heard him talk about the analytics and the computer guys that they added. Yeah, that was like a Bronx accent instead of Boston. I can't even do the Boston besides quarterback. But anyway – Point being is he's talking about the computer guys that they brought in. What he's underselling and talking to people around the Giants is how much they have actually invested over the past year or so in all of the analytic advancements that there have been. And that includes, you know, revamping the scouting department when he's talking about that, how they grade players, how they use analytics involved in that now, and how they are trying to adapt. And we've all put put Dave Gettleman uh, in this class of being someone who is too old school and not thinking about the future enough. And some of that might be partially true. But really, in as I said, talking to people around the team, Dave Gettleman has had to try to convince ownership to be more proactive and invest more in analytics because they didn't necessarily think it was something that needed to be done. Why? Because they have had success over the years doing things their way. Their way is hiring people that are familiar to them, that are just of a certain temperament, not guys that are going to be over-the-top nuts, not guys, you know, that you'd never catch the Giants hiring Rex Ryan. Never would before, years ago. And you still wouldn't now. They want people of a certain temperament 
who know how their organization is run. Is there anything wrong with that? No, absolutely not. But there is something wrong when you're not adapting to style. And I think Gettleman, from what I can gather, has actually been more over the last year and a half proactive since he got here in trying to adapt to the times. You don't really see that happen very often where somebody that further down in his career, further down the road in his career, is willing to do that. So Dave wanted to do it, but ownership didn't. They they were hesitant to invest that much in it, having to be convinced that that was necessary. I want you to think about that for a second. Dave Gettleman had to convince ownership to be more proactive and invest more in analytics. The biggest problem with the Giants and with ownership over the last several years is that they never get out of that giant way and don't do things that are uncomfortable to them. The only way to have success in any field is to be unafraid of being uncomfortable. Dave Gettleman, Pat Shermer were very comfortable choices. Guys who wouldn't upset the apple cart are old school, etc. except one of them is trying to change some things. You know, Pat Shermer was a terrible in-game coach, and that's why he's gone. It's simple as that. You can draw a line through those nine losses in a row and point to at least one or two or maybe even three or four things that Pat Shermer did wrong, and there were times where they just looked completely not even ready, completely overmatched coaching-wise. He did not adapt well, and he did not sit there and and play the and play the coaching game the way it's supposed to be played now. You know, Pat Shermer was going to do things a certain way. He was going to be conservative in some some spots and aggressive in some other spots, but never had the feel of the game as to when to do it. Might have followed particular charts, but it didn't make sense in that spot. Things like that. Pat Shermer, in-game, was a terrible coach, and that's why he's gone. The Giants have to adapt with the times. Winning organizations are organizations that adapt. You think the Patriots have done what they've done for so long because Bill Belichick's only done it one way? He's done it a lot of different ways with a lot of different players. And yeah, he's had the quarterback, but a lot of other guys have contributed to their championships. He's not afraid to be uncomfortable and shake things up and and make changes. He is constantly evaluating what they have done wrong in circumstances to get better. Nick Saban told me this story a few years ago about Bill Belichick, that we might all look at the New England Patriots and say, wow, they were so fortunate to get Tom Brady in the sixth round and man, lightning struck for them and you know, good for them. They were they were just incredibly lucky to have that. Bill Belichick doesn't look at it that way. He looks at it like, where did we screw up in the first five rounds to not recognize what Tom Brady does and why he's special? They adapt. They're constantly self-evaluating. The Giants are self-evaluating, but through their own colored glasses that have always been the same. They've always done things a certain way. 
and they haven't given themselves enough leeway to get away from that. I mean, think about this for a second. Tom Coughlin was a comfortable hire for them when they brought him back. He understood what the Giants were about and the way things that, that they wanted to do things. And they were comfortable with the way he wanted to do things. But he didn't start winning until he adapted because he had to. That's when he won. They haven't adapted as an organization because they've had success in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl era. Only four other franchises have won more than four Super Bowls. This is a storied franchise that has been owned by the same family in the Maras forever. And they're basically an NFL version of an original six. They've been too comfortable. And that's strange to say because it kills them to lose. It kills John Mara to lose. Kills him. I've seen him react in the press box when things are not going right. But the problem is you can't do it the same way it's always been done. And I think that mentality has been one that has been set from ownership on down. And they're really going to have to look in the mirror here and continue to adapt more and continue to understand that the game is not what it used to be. And the fact that Dave Gettleman, who we all look at and is talking about stopping the run and running the football and getting pressure on the quarterback, all important things in the game, things have changed a little bit, all important things in the game, that's old school. That's stuff that's talked about in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Some truths hold, yes, but that's the first thing he's talking about now. He's the one that had to convince them to invest. That's crazy. That's crazy. From ownership on down is where it has to change. They have to be open to things. They have to be open to bringing in people that they aren't necessarily comfortable with or, or that may not fit the giant mold, so to speak. They'll be comfortable with the coach, but may not fit what they've usually done before. That guy's Matt Rule, by the way. That guy has to be Matt Rule. Even if he is on the beach for the next week, sit tight. You're listening to Chris Carlin on 98.7 ESPN. Seven seventeen. Debut of Carlin here on ESPN at New York, 98.7. Chris Carlin with you at 800-919-3776. We're going to get to the phones. Where are we starting? Something a little different, I'm told. Mystery guest? Is that accurate? We have a mystery guest. Who is that? We've got a mystery guest on the line. Nikki, would you please punch that up? All righty. Mystery guest, I have an idea. Who is it? Long-time listener, first-time caller here. How you doing, Coach? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. Greg Seattle with us, the head coach at Rutgers, checking in. How you doing? I was not expecting this. How are you? I'm doing well, man. I had to be on that first one now. <laughs> I appreciate that, Coach. Boy, you have been jumping around. I appreciate you checking in. I, I don't even know how you got five minutes to do it. You're flying all over the place. Well, I'll tell you what, Chris. We, we have been, and, and what what a great amount of excitement out there about Rutgers football. You know, 
I think there's a there's a feeling out in the tri-state area about you know people want to get Rutgers football back to where it belongs, and uh, I can't tell you how excited we are about that. I tell you what, you taking a couple of minutes out to call me and and do this on my first show here on ESPN. That's pretty awesome, Coach. I appreciate that very much. Well, you know what, you've been a you've been a great friend and a real supporter of Rutgers football, and uh, everyone knows the greatest call ever in Rutgers history was pandemonium in Piscataway. And that was that that will go down as the call. Now we have to come up with another one, big fellow. So let's get ready, right? We, yeah, listen. We get this thing cooking. You got to be ready to go. I'll start working. I, you know, I told people that I thought about that when I was at practice that week because you know you just had a feel that something special had a chance of happening, and I I was not going to get caught not knowing what the heck I was going to say in that situation. But uh, thankfully, you know, I think it had a little something to do with you too. <laughs> well, that had a lot to do with a bunch of good players is what it had to do with. But, yeah, you know, that was that was a memorable night. And I, I just look forward to so many more, uh, you know, playing in the Big Ten Conference and getting our team to the point where uh, not only are we competitive in the Big Ten Conference, but that we're ready to win championships. And that's, that's our goal. That's where we're headed. And, uh, you know, I, I understand the challenge, but I also understand the excitement that's that's present here in this area. And this is a tough group of people now. You know it. You've lived here a long time. I've lived here a long time. Uh, not afraid of challenges, that's for sure. You know, I asked you this the day you um, got announced at the news conference, but I'll ask it again. Just what it was like during that entire week leading up when nobody was really sure whether or not you were going to be coming back and you saw what the reaction was from the fan base at that point. Well, I think it was awesome, you know, and it, and it confirmed that this is, you know, God's plan for me because there was times that I felt like, okay, this probably is not supposed to happen, right? But I'll tell you what now, the pride and the passion that our fan base showed, uh, not only was it incredible, but I think it shows them the, the power that they have and how now we have to get that power and use that power to fill the stadium, to buy season tickets, the, you know, our, our donors to, to help out so we can do the things we need to do to, to catch the people in our league and then eventually pass them. Anything catch you uh, just a little bit different this time around as a head coach through the first month or so uh, before we let you go? Just anything that um, maybe you didn't expect being back in the job again? Well, it's very it's it's a lot more comfortable. Certainly, the second go around, right? At yeah. thirty four years old, I didn't know if it, if it was pumped or stuff, so I was trying to figure it all out. Um, now, especially in a place that I'm very familiar, and you know, my three kids, as I've said to people before, my three boys at least have been recruited to play college football. So, having been on the other side, gone gone through the process, and then having taken the phone calls, right? You know, I understand what college athletes go through with studies and the pressure and all the things that go into it. And I think that's going to uniquely uh, help me to be a better head coach this time around. Well, Greg, it, it means the world that you took a few minutes out to call. I appreciate it very much. And, and listen, continue to tear it up on the recruiting trail. Thank you again. Well, thank you, Chris. And ESPN, you know, got a great man here to do this job. So look forward to being part of your program. Appreciate that, Coach. Thanks.
Happy New Year. Take care. Absolutely. Greg Ciano, the new coach and old coach at Rutgers, checking in. I appreciate that. He is a, you know, he's been a friend for a long time. Good man. I did not expect that, Joe. Well done. And you know what? I may as well just let it fly here because Alex is uh, up first tonight and he wants to talk about bringing Greg back. In fact, uh, you know, some of the Rutgers fans have wanted to get in for a bit here. So let's have at it, Alex. What's up, bud? Hey, Chris, how you doing? Um, just want to congratulate you on um, this new show. I'm looking forward to listening for years to come. I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, so I'm calling from the state of Rutgers because <laughs> Coach is back. We're super excited. Um, just want to get your thoughts on uh, him coming back. I think he is the perfect man and, honestly, maybe the only man who can get the job done. And I, I am so excited for him to get it done. Um and I'm going to hang up and uh, listen to what you have to say, man. Congrats on everything. I appreciate that, Alex. You know what? Listen, um, it was the only choice that could have been made. It honestly was. This program was in a very bad situation, and you had a, a fan base that has grown increasingly impatient. You know, it, it frankly had to be going to somebody that understood what the place is about because – Let's just call it what it is. Rutgers does not make it easy on everybody. It, it really, it, it's not as easy as it is to do it everywhere else through no fault of their own. You know, you don't have money. You don't have money at the drop of a hat like you do at Michigan and all those other places to try to get this done. And they're still a few years away from getting the full amount in terms of the Big Ten money. So, you know, they have to do things a different way. And I think bringing Greg back was the best thing that they could have done. And I say that not just because he's a friend. I think it was really the only thing that they could have done. I felt bad when that started to fall apart. The person I felt the worst for was whoever would have ended up being the coach if it didn't happen. Because I think they would have been not only behind the eight ball, but they would have not had support from the fan base or from donors, and they would have had to go a long way to really start to convince people that they could get the job done. And like I said, you know, Chris Ash is a good coach. I mean, he got hired in five minutes uh, and went to University of Texas to be the defensive coordinator. It It's not an easy job. It's not. So it's the right move. Let's get back to the Giants here at 800-919-3776. James in Spring Valley up next here on ESPN. James, what's up, buddy? Hey, Collins, but first time listening to you. Glad you're on the station, man. Congratulations, man. Appreciate it. What's up? Uh, um, I want to talk about the Giants. And uh, I was – I tremor had to go. We all knew that. But get, the gentleman was the one that puzzled me because I didn't think that he did a good enough job. And I was hoping the Giants would start clean, start fresh, hire GM who's with the times. And from what you're saying and what from the interview from the Michael K show – he admitted that he was wrong about trying to rebuild and retool at the same time and rebuild by winning, and he admitted that he was wrong. So my question is, with with um, with Rule taking the trip to Cabo, it kind of feels like the Giants should not wait on him. And if um and if, Why not? if that's the case, and I well because these whole these head coaching jobs need to get filled quick, quick, fast, in a hurry, and. I don't want the Giants to miss out on who the best possible candidate. If Rule is the best possible candidate, then then hire him quick, fast, in a hurry before somebody else. Well, the Giants him, are you know? going through the process uh, with everybody else and doing all their other interviews first, and then 
I think Matt will probably do it when he gets back. I mean, I'd be surprised if he wasn't discussed. There's talk about with a buyout and all that kind of stuff and what's involved there. I would be surprised if Matt Rule does not interview with the Giants very soon. And I know he's going away for a week to Cabo. Uh, my guess is that conversation probably went something like this. I promised my family as soon as this was over that this is what we were going to do, and I can't break that promise to them. And look, if the Giants want Matt Rule to be their coach, they'll figure it out. A few days in Cabo is not going to stop it, all right? He's having a couple of margaritas. They'll get a cell phone in his hand, and they'll make it work. To me, he has to be the guy. Has to be the guy. Eddie in the Bronx is up next. Eddie, what's going on? Hey, what's up, Chris? How are you? Happy New Year, man. Thank you. You too. Oh, man. You know what? I'm, I, I got to disagree with you on that just for one thing. I'm like, I don't know much about Matt Rule, and I'm quite sure a lot of people in New York City don't know Matt Rule. But my thing is, is this is going to be our fifth coach in five years. And we went with... But you're going through, third. like, interim stuff and Tom I mean, and all that. I get that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But the thing about it is, is at this point, Sherman was a coordinator, Spags was a coordinator, and McAdoo was a coordinator. Time to stop playing around. It's like, I want the guy with the hardware. I want McCarthy. The reason why is, like, there's not many coaches who have had experience in developing not one but two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And he's got hardware. That's the, As a Giants fan, I'm like, I don't – Rule, he could be great. But I would rather die with the guy who had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and got hardware. But he, he didn't develop was, Brett Favre. I mean, no, 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 not, he I'm helped along the way with Aaron Rodgers. No, but he, I don't think you can credit him with all of that. Listen, I, Eddie, he's my number two, okay? I don't have a problem if the Giants hire Mike McCarthy. Uh, to me, I, I think Matt Rule has to be the guy because I think it's getting out of that comfort zone. Mike McCarthy would kind of fit in that giant comfort zone, if you know what I'm saying. He would be a guy that would come in that would fit the giant way. And I'm not saying they wouldn't adapt with analytics and all that stuff. I need to go off the board for once here. You know, Matt Rule worked for them, yes. But this guy's a leader, and he's done an unbelievable job in college where he's been as a head coach, and he is a guy that the players are going to love. He relates to the players. He's a younger guy. He's going to fit with their mentality these days. You know, you do have to look at Mike McCarthy and figure out what went wrong with Aaron Rodgers. Because when you're a head coach and you have Aaron Rodgers, you generally let him do what he's comfortable with. He's Aaron freaking Rodgers. So when that's the case, you have to let him, you have to find yourself a way to adapt to what Aaron Rodgers is doing. Like, that's a tough question for me. When you're, when you're aligned with that guy, you stay aligned with that guy. If you're a head coach, you're going to win with him. And it's a very fair question to ask. Why didn't you win more with Aaron Rodgers? Why didn't you win more? Let's hit Yossi at Long Beach. Yossi, what's up? Hey, Chris Carr. How you doing, brother? Good, bud. How are you? Pretty good. Happy New Year's. And I just want to talk about the Giants for a sec. Go. All right. So I think we all knew that Patrick was going to go. 
I think the record speaks for itself, and I think like we're going to move on. And going back to the previous caller, I agree. I think I won Mike McCarthy only because he's a vet. He's won a Super Bowl and he's done great things in Green Bay. So why not have that winning mentality come to New York and generate you know success for for our new quarterback? I'm not again. If he ends up being the Giants' head coach, I think they have a chance to succeed. I do, but I have questions for Mike McCarthy. And I need to know how he's going to relate to players when he led a relationship with, at the time, the greatest player in the game, get away from him. And that was ultimately his downfall. When you're a coach, you don't let that happen. You don't let that It's not like Aaron Rodgers is a problem child. We're not, we're not talking about Aaron Rodgers being Odell Beckham and doing dumb things off the field. That's not what we're talking about. They couldn't get on the same page as far as what was going on on the field. Go on the quarterback's page. Figure that out. You're listening to Chris Carlin on 98.7 ESPN. Will not lose ever. Seven thirty-five. Carlin on 98.7 ESPN, Rick, New York. Dave Gettleman on the Michael K. Show earlier today finally said something that we have been waiting and just begging him to say for the longest time was trying to win and rebuild at the same time the right thing to do. You know, we obviously haven't done enough. Okay? We obviously haven't done enough. And I made a miscalculation. I'm being very upfront about it. And I thought that we could do both at the same time. And it didn't work out that way. Thank God. Thank God. I mean, for Pete's sake, we've all known it forever. I'm glad that he could finally admit it. And I don't think it was all him. I don't think there's any doubt that there's a lot of truth to what Don was talking about earlier, that John Mara and when uh, an ownership, when he came in uh, to interview for the job, he knew what they wanted to hear. We're going to try to win now while we're rebuilding because we still think we got time with Eli here. They didn't. They didn't. And and truth be told, the fans knew it too. You know, for that first year, the fans were outraged at anybody that would suggest that Eli didn't have it anymore. That it was time to start thinking about moving on from him. You were outraged. Notice how that went away after 2018. Nobody was outraged anymore. You're You're always thankful for what he did for the organization. But we also understand... When it's time to move on from it. You know, that's something, if you think about back in the day, you think about when Mark Messier left the Rangers and something that Neil Smith said, and this is several years after the championship, so 97, 98, maybe even later than that. The question was, how long do we have to continue to pay for the championship in 94? Because they paid for a few more years after that. They really did. It's the same thing with Eli. They paid for four, th- well, three years, maybe longer than they had to, or two years, maybe than, longer than they had to for those championships. And it set the organization back. And I'm sorry, if you don't want to admit that, you're just not paying attention. There are a lot more people that are willing to admit it now than were two years ago. When it was really time. Brian is out in Tucson, Arizona, up next here on 9870 SPN. Brian, what's up, dude? 
Hey, man, I, I just want to say I love your show. Congratulations. I hope I get a prize for being the furthest caller from New York. But uh, long-time uh, Giants fan out here. As I think I you will find many times rule. you will be disappointed with me. What's up? <laughs> no, I, I, I'm way on your take on rule. I think that you're right. Um, Gettleman as well, and I like the last caller talking about McCarthy. I think he's a great choice. My question is, Del Rio going to Washington now, um, who can we bring in to inspire and create a defense uh, in the wake of, let's say, it's rule? Who's out there that you think is a good fit for this team? Because our defense needs a personality, needs to know who they are, and it seems lost. I'll be honest with you. I don't have great names right now that come to mind that make me think, I got to go get that guy. I'm not saying that there aren't those names out there, but you raise an interesting point from this, from probably not what you meant to do, but you raise an interesting point here. When it comes to the assistant coaches, you know, outside of the head coach, when they're trying to get those guys in line, that's like a feeding frenzy. And you have to get there and get your guy and get him on board. That's the only thing that's holding you back a little bit right now uh, with Matt Rule is that if you don't get the right assistance in place, especially at the coordinator spots, it can definitely set you back. It really can. And I think that, you know, they obviously have to get somebody that's going to be better defensively than James Betcher was. Uh, Betcher yeah. came here. Um, I think part of the problem is that they tried to make the players adapt to the system as opposed to letting the players dictate how you were going to use them based on their strengths. When you get new coaches in, you have to be willing to look at your talent and adapt to what it is and play to their strengths. And I think too many times, we see this with the Jets, I think, sometimes too, with Adam Gases, you have to be willing to fit what you have versus making what you have fit what you want in your own system. I hope you're right. And good luck on the show. Thanks a lot for taking my call. I'll keep listening. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Richard Yonkers up next here on ESPN. What's up, Richard? Hey, Chris. Um, if you're going to continue making smart comments like you did about the mayor, it's, it's going to be a great show. I think it's, it's smart to uh, shine a, a light on their lack of analytics and bringing that into the NFL and this team that needs it. Well, it the thing that- is, is that you can't be just hesitant to move into the future because you've had success doing things one way for a long time. And I can't argue with the success they've had. Like I said, there's only four other organizations that have won more than four Super Bowls. So obviously they've done a lot right over the time. But you're the only guy saying it so far, which is great. Well, and it, it was, it was I'm a visionary. There's no getting Mara around that. that. Oh, yeah. Mayor is saying that uh, one reason we're keeping Gettleman was because the first year he was fighting for his life. I mean, the ethical thing for uh, Gettleman to have done would have been to resign because he was fighting with cancer. Well, I but mean, he's not he, sitting there. Hang on a second, though, Richard. He's not sitting there and saying that they kept him out of a sympathetic reason. He's saying that he didn't get an opportunity to do everything he did because of having to deal with that personal situation. So he deserves more time. That That's what it is. It's not because it's not they feel bad for him and that's why they kept him. Because the Giants know better than that. You know, that wouldn't be right because it's not fair to the organization to to do that. To hold up another year if they didn't feel like some of the things that are being put into place aren't the right things. He's here because they made this massive organizational shift into believing 
what Dave was selling in that we have to adapt and get better. But they ha- we have to incorporate analytics. We have to hire more people. We have to completely revamp our scouting and player grading and all that stuff. These are the things that we as fans do not talk about or do not hear about very much, but are critical, critical when it comes to player evaluation these days. Critical. So Dave getting an opportunity to do that, you know, Really, he's only had the job for about a year and a half when you factor that in. So he deserves more time from that standpoint. Giants did the right thing here. I know fans are frustrated with Gettleman. Giants did the right thing here by keeping him for another year. You're going to blow the whole thing up again, and then you're going to have another guy come in and want to implement all the changes that he wants to make. And then you're another two years out. Then you get in the cycle. Then you get in that ugly, ugly cycle. Let's hit Sal and Pearl River up next. Sal, what's up? Hey, how are you? Happy New Year. Good. Um, just a couple of quick questions about uh, this looming offseason for the Giants. Um, I think the main uh, question that has to be asked is not who the next head coach is going to be, but can this head coach develop and build a team around Daniel Jones? I think that is probably going to be, you know, the biggest thing um, and probably the, the main thing that will either keep Dave Gettleman in New York or he'll be out the door, you know, really fast if, uh, if that doesn't pan out. And um, another quick question, um, I have, a, I think it's a low chance that Chase Young um, gets picked by the Giants. Are there any other um, any other draft uh, prospects that the Giants would be potentially able to get that would be a good fit? Yeah, listen, I think that for uh, number one, Chase Young is the guy. If you can find a way to get him, they're going to have to trade up to get him. I firmly believe that. I really do, because it, he's a special, special talent and and game wrecking type player. He can have that kind of impact. He can be a 14, 15, 16 sack a year guy and and really be someone that the other team has to game plan for. Honestly, look at the Giants right now. Who do offenses really have to game plan for? Who, who do offenses look at and say, I got to stay away from that guy? You know, maybe that's going to start being Dexter Lawrence who I love. I think he's going to be a very good player. Maybe that'll eventually be DeAndre Baker, who improved as the season went along. But nobody's there yet. Chase Young would be that guy, and he'd be that guy pretty quickly. What has Gettleman talked about? The fact that it's all going to depend how soon the young guys come. Well, they're going to have to come pretty soon. You're listening to Chris Carlin on 98.7 ESPN. Too. I just assumed when I heard he's so handsome, what's his name, that I was going to hear Carlin, but apparently not. That's okay. <laughs> 800-919-3776. I am not, I promise you this, KFC Barstool, Kevin, started this investigation, and he did it tongue-in-cheek on Manish. I will not let it die. 
Not until we know for sure that it wasn't him. Not until we know for sure. I can't say that it is him. But there's a lot of circumstantial evidence. I got to see it happen. 800-919-3776. Scott's on Long Island. He is up next. Scott, how you doing, brother? Good, Chris. Congratulations. Thank Love you. to see you at this time slot. I appreciate that. Um, so on the Giants, um, I hear you. A lot of work to do. But I'm wondering, and you mentioned one of them, um, Baker, a little accounting of what our assets are. And just on the defensive side, not including the run stoppers, but we obviously need a rusher. But who do you feel are some of the keepers in in our going up the middle of our defense? I mean, well, look, I, I think people. This is a popular guy to go after these days. If you got Leonard Williams to stay at the right price, then I would keep Leonard Williams. And and the reason is he's not the primary guy. Don't get me wrong. I know that people are down on him. He did not play well with the Jets. He has never turned into the great player. But if you pay him like the good player that he is, then that's fitting. Maybe you get him to stay on a one-year contract or try to prove it and put up bigger numbers if he's not going to get huge numbers out on the open market. But if you're Leonard Williams at this point, the Giants, you're, that's where you're going to have the most leverage. I, I look at the numbers, though. Dave Gettleman is not wrong when he says that they were better defensively in stopping the run when he was there. Because they were. And they were considerably better. It was like 18, 19 yards a game. You might look at that and think, oh, no big deal. Well, it's the difference between being 12th in the league and 26th in the league against the run. So I agree with you. That, that was a big cost, difference. It's a cost-benefit. Yeah, and it's not that Leonard Williams is a superstar. I would not pay him at a superstar level. But agree, agree. But he, he can help the right Giants. The team. Yeah. And now that Are you've you invested too many assets in him, I'm not letting him walk away either. Let me ask you about Baker, Love, and Ballantyne. Baker rated out between ten, weeks 10 yep. and 14 as the number eight corner in, the, I think, in the, either the NFC or the league. So who are your keepers there? You're feeling like it was the it was the league after week ten. I think Baker's a keeper. I, I like all the younger guys. I do, but the guys I particularly like. I think Dexter Lawrence is going to be a terrific player. I really do. And among all defensive linemen this year, he rated or interior defensive linemen he rated pretty high this year. I think he was top twenty, top twenty five with how he played. Um, I like him a lot. I think Baker you know, is just getting the hang of things in the NFL. And you saw him get better as the season went along. Julian Love is an NFL player, is a guy that can be a good third corner on a team. I think he can absolutely help. Valentine, we don't know enough about yet. We just don't know enough about yet. Mike is in Rockland. He is up next here on ESPN 98.7. What's up, Mike? Hey, Chris, how are you? Listen, Good. congratulations. Uh, Thank you. Good job on the, on the new gig, and uh, I think everyone's happy for you. Hey, real quick, that was uh, Checkets that made that comment. It was Checkets? It wasn't? I was going to sworn it was Neil Smith. It was one of the two. There you go. Well, it was on the back of Newsday. Checkets had said how long they were going to be paying for it. And, and he was, was right. He was right at the time, by the way. Uh, I, I respectfully disagree, but, uh, you know, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, but he came back anyway. But let me ask you a question. What, Rangers, exciting year. What what's the direction that they're going to do in terms of are they going to get rid of uh, Kreider, Butchnevich? What are they going to do, and and how's that all going to shake out for the expansion draft? I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm an expert on it, but I would absolutely think they're going to trade Kreider. 
I, I would be surprised if they didn't at this point. I mean, look, I, 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 you know, I can't sit here and I'm not going to proclaim to be something I'm not. I, I just haven't followed the Rangers enough, you know, over the last year or two to really to watch them enough. And I need to watch them more, obviously. But I just want to I'm looking at Kreider at this point, And I think that there's still a young team that is trying to not necessarily rebuild at this point. They've started to try to they've already kind of headed in the right direction on on that front. But they are in a position right now where letting the younger players play is more important. It's absolutely more important right now and letting them continue to get better. And if you can get some things for Kreider, then you have to do that, especially with what's happened with Anderson. I mean, geez. John on the car phone. John, what's up, bud? John. John's gone. How about Skyler, Verona, New Jersey? Skyler, what's going on with you? Hey, Chris. How's it going? Good, Skyler. How are you? Good. So uh, I'm a I'm a recent Rutgers alumni. I want to bring this back. I want to talk about uh, Coach Ciano a little bit. Yeah. You know this for me. You know I was in the marching band for my first two years of school, so I had to sit through you know till the bitter end of those games in the snow when we're losing to Michigan State, we're fifty-one to zero. You know all that. And this is the first time you know since I've started school that I really feel like everybody is the fans are backing the team now. Before it was like, oh, you know, Rutgers sucks, like whatever it is, what it is, our season's shot. It was almost a joke. And now it feels for the first time in, you know, whatever, five or six years that there's some sort of life kicked back into the fan base. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on, like, do you think, I mean, I think Seattle's going to be great, but do you think that could have an impact on, you know, the outlook of the football team season for next year? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think the outlook is is going to be better. The thing I would I would really caution it's not going to happen overnight, Skyler. Now, I think the, the best right. part about this is the fan base has confidence in Greg Schiano to do it because he's already done it. Now, you're doing it in the Big Ten now, so Everest is a little bit more difficult to scale. But, right. you know, he he took the time necessary, built it the right way the first time around. And they were perennially a winner. I mean, you know, with what they did with the streak of bowl games, things are things that were never done in school history before. I mean, think about it. They have been to one bowl game ever before 2005. One bowl game ever. I mean, that, you know, I, I think that the fan base will be patient, but they have something to be excited about because they know the guy who is in place to do it has done it before. Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. All right. No problem, Skyler. Appreciate the phone call. How about Tony in Hoboken? Tony, you're up next on 98.7 ESPN. How you doing, brother? Hey, what's up, Chris? Congratulations, like everybody's been telling you. Thank you. Um, uh, just wanted to say, to talk about Gettleman. Like, I, I totally agree with you. Um, first, you know, when Gettleman makes a mistake, he's quick to correct it. Omame and others were one of them. And, and for him to admit his mistakes, that's something that I want. I don't want somebody to lie to me and then have their, uh, what is it, their ego take place and then make more mistakes. So that's what I like. And I totally agree with you when, when you're talking about rule that he gets the best out of their players. That's what he did in Temple. That's what, he, that's what he's doing. That's what he's done in Baylor. And he was also very good in, with the Giants. Flaherty is one of them. 
that thought that said he's going to be a great head coach one day. Who, Pat Flaherty? I have to say, yeah, Flaherty. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He's a guy, I'll tell you what, if, if Matt Rule comes back, or if Matt Rule becomes the coach, I would talk about Pat Flaherty coming back to be the Giants offensive line coach. I would absolutely bring him back because people, that's one thing that really got overlooked. When Pat Flaherty left, the giant offensive line didn't play anywhere near as well. That guy got the most out of the players that he had. You know, nothing against them. They were a very good group. But the Super Bowl 42 offensive line had Snee and had David Deal, and they were good players. And Kareem McKenzie was a good player, and Sean O'Hara was a good player. But they were not all Hall, future Hall of Famers by any stretch. Not by any stretch. You're listening to Chris Carlin on 98.7 ESPN.